you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, priced for perfection. Is that the new risk for the mega caps? We'll debate it with the investment committee as one member bails on another big name in that space. The details are just ahead. We're also going to look ahead to the Fed meeting later today. Joining me for the hour, Stephanie Link, Joe Terranova, and Jason Snipe. Let's check the markets here as we wait for the Fed later this afternoon. So Dow is uh, up a fraction. The S&P's down. NASDAQ's down a lot, as you see. Uh, it's certainly the biggest losers today as those mega caps really across the board sell off. And on that note, I turn to Stephanie Link, as I have, it seems so often of late. <laughs> I know. Because you're selling another mega cap. No. And this time you're out of Alphabet. No, well, Tell us. I mean, if, let's refresh everybody's memory, too. Remember, it was Meta a couple weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And here we are. We're out of Alphabet. Talk to me. Because I made a lot of money in it, right? I mean, I bought it last quarter when the stock fell about 10%. You guys remember that. We talked about it. Um, and it was up 26% from the October lows. And so I just thought that the expectations were really high. And I much prefer Amazon, as, as you know, because um, I've been adding to that one as well. And so to me, with Alphabet, I don't think the quarter was terrible, but it was just kind of so-so. It was kind of like in line. Yep. Search and, t- and search and YouTube were that actually missed the buy side numbers, um, and and so and to me they're the higher capex. I mean, when are you going to get your returns? I think you, that's been pushed out as a result. So I think cloud was great, right, up 26%. That mm-hmm. was the highlight. But I just made my money, and I wanted to deploy it elsewhere. I go to the question we asked at the very top of the program as to whether the market is too priced for perfection right now, Joe. You look at the gains that these stocks have had, most of the mega caps since November 1st. Now, you put Apple aside because it's only up 8.5% since November 1st. Microsoft near 20. Now, we're also taking into consideration the losses today uh, among the group. Microsoft still up 19.5% since November 1st. Alphabet up 14.5%. Amazon up 17.5%. NVIDIA up 50. 50 in three months. Meta up 30 and a half percent raises that issue you could still beat but if you're not great on these earnings reports you're going to get punished you may not get punished a ton but you're going to get punished and there's a good example of it with alphabet okay own the mega caps in an equally weighted nature um i'll continue to own the mega caps because i believe what we're about to experience will be a corrective pause that will refresh over the next 30 days i think the nasdaq will be at best sideways and at worst, will be down. I think the next 30 days, the market will be going down. That's what's in front of us. We had a similar setup last January. Market was up 6%. We followed up in February with down 2.6%. There's clearly been a, a high expectation that needed to be achieved for earnings. And I would say for mega caps and really extrapolating that beyond mega caps into other sectors as well. Well, just take like, and look, AMD is not exactly a what we would really put in the mega cap category, but 
it, it is in what some have suggested is the AI5, and yep. it is as well what Stacey Raskon of Bernstein told me yesterday was the most expensive of the AI plays by far mm-hmm. going into the number. And then you see what the results are. The stock was combined with the regular session and the after hours yesterday after the number down about 10%. It's paired the losses a bit. But nonetheless, when you're that expensive and you go into earnings, man, you better just knock the ball, not out of the park, like, I'm not over the fence, like out of the stadium. Well, it's, it, it's part of the AI universe, and, it, and it's a classic example of earnings that are satisfactory, okay? In some examples, the earnings are better than satisfactory and poor price performance. And what I've learned over the last 30 years in doing this is that signals near-term exhaustion, near-term exhaustion, and that signals that the market is crying for some form of corrective price relief. And I think you get that over the next 30 days. I I think Alphabet was average. I think Microsoft was stellar. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you could ask for from Microsoft. And so the action is, it tells you, right? It may just be a pause. I would love to buy Microsoft down 10%, but I don't think it's going there because I think the fundamentals are so much better than an Alphabet. So I think you're going to see kind of like, you're going to start to see winners and losers within the mag right? 100%. Look, it's the type of company 100%. and the earnings were good enough that if it goes down 10%, I'm willing to take the ride with it. Sure. In the degree right. in which I own it, I'm comfortable doing it. goes that. to my yeah. price to perfection thing as you describe what was, you know, good quarter from Microsoft. Uh, but here we are. Yep. Well, you, both, you own both of these, among 100%. the other mega caps too, but yep. you do have Alphabet and Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, uh, to Steffi's point, I think, as it relates to Google, the quarter was not bad. I mean, there was, there was an advertising miss. It was a very slight miss, albeit. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't this unbelievable quarter, right? And, and we talk about price for perfection. We talk about the price action that we've seen since November. It had to have a great quarter for it to really explode to the upside, and obviously it didn't um, with a miss there. On the other hand, um, you know, Microsoft was very strong. You know, Azure was up 30% year over year. Um, it was a very good quarter. And I think when we're looking at the CapEx cycle for AI, that's also the theme that I heard from these two players. These, all these companies are going to be spending money. It's just, where are they in the race? And I think Microsoft is obviously has a strong lead. Jonathan Krinsky has been publishing notes almost every day about the NASDAQ, whether it's you know relative to mega caps, the NASDAQ as a whole, or semis, talking about how high the bar is to keep things going. Um, that the the risk of an unwind in some of these names, either during or after the earnings period, remains, in his words, quite high. I want you to listen, Joe, to what the Rockefeller Global Family Office's Cheryl Young told me last week about this market. She's a Barron's Hall of Famer in terms of wealth management. Listen to what she said about this market. I think the market is priced to perfection right now. I mean, we just hit all-time highs today, which is exciting to be on the show today. Um, I'm a little worried. And the last few shows I've been on, Scott, I was very bullish. I was doubling down on tech the last time we spoke in October. And valuations are a little bit stretched, so things are priced to perfection. All right, so that's what she said. I go, Joe, to the idea, okay, well, does that mean that uh, we're at risk of a larger pullback for mega cap or not? because of everything that you said and even what Stephanie said in the way that she sells Alphabet, you say buy the mega caps, you've got to believe that there's going to be a dip buy in in most, if not all, of these names, don't you think? 
I just think you're, you're over the next 30 days, you're in a period where you're, you're void of any clear catalyst. I think the next catalyst actually comes from the Federal Reserve. You'll get the Humphrey Hawkins testimony at some point, and you'll get the clarity that the market's looking for on a rate cut. I, I'll say this. I'm incredibly disappointed in the price action today because you're not seeing what you should have seen. You should have seen an intra-market rotation away from mega caps into the small caps, into the other areas of the market where everyone's been suggesting that you would see the broadening out. You had the appearance of that last night. The futures market throughout the night had the NASDAQ down, the S&P down, and the Russell higher throughout the night. The Russell has fallen apart today. So I'm disappointed in that regard. And if that's the continued formation, then the overall market's going to be susceptible to the weakness that I see ahead for the NASDAQ. Yeah, but what would you expect, though? We, we saw the Fed decision and, and the... The Fed's and where direction, are yields ahead of that well, Fed decision? Well, they're down because, they're moving well, 80, below 4%. Well, 80, because, well, ADP no, 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 was disappointing. Nope. New York Community Bank Corp is uh, a little bit concerning, too. Yes, they are. They're below 4%. So at, at 2.30 in the morning when I was stealing a treat out of the refrigerator and staring at the screen, <laughs> it was 3.98 for a 10-year. It was already below 4%. So the move was happening overnight already. There should have been a response. There should have been rotations in the, to the other areas of the market that didn't get the love in 2023, and we're just not seeing it. A small caps, I don't know what the struggle is with small caps. I don't know that you would see you, it. Well, I don't know that you would relief. see it. It doesn't matter. You it need to hear matter. from Powell. I think no, no, that's no. Exactly you what need to hear from Powell. That's exactly what rates are telling you. Is they're telling you that, that he's going to be more dovish. And then we get the data today, and they can be more dovish because right. the inflation numbers continue to improve to the downside. And yet at the same time, we have a new, now a new first quarter Atlanta Fed GDP number Slightly at 3%. And if that going, opposite, going up, upwards. That's a, that, we are in the sweet spot of yep. the economy right now, and that should mean good for earnings, maybe not great for mega tech because they've already participated, but we will eventually say, if this continues, that we see better growth, lower rates, this should mean we see a broadening out in the market. And oh, by the way, I think the financials have caught a bid. Healthcare is catching a bid Large here. Large cap financials have. They large absolutely, cap, yeah. Large cap financials, yep. large cap healthcare. I agree with that. I said yesterday in the show, I think the sector that is clearly coming up um, from behind yeah. is the financials, the yep. breakout in city. I own Goldman Sachs, the breakout in Goldman Sachs. But I'm talking specifically about small caps, which were supposed to, 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 to participate and to get the yield relief. Not and they're getting the, yeah. But they're Not getting the yield relief already. They're Joe, getting it already. Joe, you have a large number of small cap stocks are regional banks within the Russell 2000. If yep. you have renewed concerns about regional banks, thank you, New York Community Bank Corp, yep. cutting the dividend, the stock's getting destroyed, it's worst day ever. You're not going to get a big run through from the Russell, you're just not, especially when we're waiting on Powell, not so much the decision, but the language. Steve Leisman's our senior economics reporter. It's the other big story, obviously, of the day. He's down in D.C. So let, let's not go New York Community Bank Corp first. Let's go Powell first. And it's all in the language today, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and by the way, that's the opposite of the way that I ended up uh, thinking you were going to ask about uh, Scott, so let me go, guys, to the last two screens I gave you rather than the first two, because it is about the statement. And the statement in question, Scott, is the one that says the Fed had telegraphed that it was going to be 
hiking in the future, the idea of considering additional firming and what happens to that and determining the extent of any additional policy firming that may be appropriate. So I talked to Krishna Guha and he says, here's what the Fed needs to do. What the Fed needs to do is to say, you know what? March isn't happening. May and June is probably happening, but we're doing pretty good. We're on the way there. The Fed will want to convey, he says, we're on track. We're not rushing. Arlene is May or June, not March. Haven't taken a lesson from what happened last month, Scott, where the Fed, uh, really the Fed chair is the one who sort of ignited a much more dovish response to the policy change than the Fed itself wanted. So, I mean, we're going to be listening for the language. We're going to be reading the body language. Um, the confidence level like we always do, and you'll be in the room, so you'll get, you'll get a first-hand view. Now to the other story, which may be uh, developing into a larger story, and, and we'll have to figure this out because the March probabilities for a cut did go up. You, you know this, and you are citing this to us because of this New York Community Bank Corp story, and we wonder right. now whether these are the first real tremors, if you will, of a commercial real estate quake that some have been preaching about that we need to pay attention to. What do we make of this and what's yeah, the Fed Scott, thinking? Yeah, Scott, I've been on the phone all morning trying to understand. Let me start and do this sequentially. First, let's look at the probabilities here. What's happened is the probability of a March rate cut has gone up pretty precipitously, 48% this morning. Guys were kind of puzzled. Why didn't the market react to the employment cost index, which is one of Powell's favorite indicators? That came in below expectation. Really not much reaction. But then at 9.30, it's 62 now. It's been as high as 66. A big jump in the probability of a cut. That went along with a pretty sharp decline in the two-year yield, which has fallen as much as 12 or 13 basis points. And that came off of, if you want to look at, take a look at the difference between two things. Joe was talking about being into the banks. Take a look at the difference between what happened to the regional bank index versus the bigger bank index, the KBW uh, versus uh, regional versus and, 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 and the bigger bank index. One is down a boatload and one is down just a little bit. Actually, even finally up on the day. And that's the regional bank index taking on the chin. Look, you don't want to start a, a, a banking issue. But if you look at the New York Community Bank Corp stock, which, by the way, bought some of Signature Bank's assets. Um, and so they're, uh, they cut their dividend. They say they need to raise some capital. And some of the other banks, or smaller banks, are down sympathetically along with New York Bank Corp. I don't know how big this is, Scott. It's something worth watching, worth thinking about. CRE is part of it. Um, maybe some of the new regulations coming from uh, Vice Chair Barr and the Federal Reserve is another part of it. But it's something worth watching. And whether or not, I don't think today, but down the road it influences the Fed to be more dovish, to give the bank some relief. That's the bet the market is taking at this moment right now. It just goes to the center of the debate which we've been having about the market and the Fed moving forward as to whether they cut because they can, because inflation's cooperating in the data that you cited at the very top of your report here yet again, or they cut right. because they have to, because they're worried about issues developing within either the banking system or the economy itself. Right. And, and certainly the Fed would want to cut because it can. Um, and, and the question, one of the questions is, how big is that window? Do they have forever to figure that out or do they have to move at a certain period of time to impart that easing or less restriction to the economy so it can absorb it just in time to avoid a harder landing than the Fed wants there? So one of the things they might do is talk about patience today, Scott. I do think, unlike most times, we're going to 
the statement is going to be more interesting than it's been in the past. A lot of the action has come from the Fed chair's press conference. It may still be true today, but I think there'll be some interesting changes in the statement if they try to finesse this idea. Yeah, we're going to be cutting, but no, probably not as much as you think and probably not as early as you think. It's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, we'll see you later this afternoon. We look forward to it, Steve. Thank you. Sure, That's Steve Leisman, our senior economics reporter. You guys want to kick this around? Jason Snipe, um, you know, what we might learn today, how it's going to influence the trade, yep. rates, the whole thing. Yeah, no, I think there's no doubt about it for me that the decision's already made. There's not going to be a rate or uh, increase or, or a decrease, obviously, right? So it will always come down. It's absolutely going to come down to the rhetoric. And I think for me, you know, as, as Powell starts to you know, assess the environment and, and really take in, the, and take in the data. I think he's talking about higher for longer. I think that actually will be the commentary. I don't think he's going to lean dovish. I think he's going to really look at why the do you, stats. Why that do you think that. that? Why do you think higher for longer? I mean, if, you know, we keep getting, for the most part, these inflation reads that are going in the right direction. Yep. He doesn't want to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So. And he also now has the benefit of, you know, the labor market is in a better place for what they wanted it to be than it was prior as well. Right. So why would he lean on on higher for because longer? I, I Do undo at, damage to what he doesn't need to damage. I hear that. And I look at the commentary that happened last year and, and the kind of dovish take that the market took. And obviously the market exploded from November until yeah, the end of the year. They pivoted. Right. Yes, he did. Um, and I don't know necessarily if if he wants that to happen again. I don't I don't I don't think he wants to see continued follow through in the commentary. So I think he's going to really thread the needle on what he says. And I think I think it will lean a little bit more status quo, like not not necessarily uh, dovish or or hawkish, but somewhere in the middle. Well, I he may he gonna, may try, but what, what yeah. do we need from him I today? I think he's going to be dovish. You have a core PCE running at 1.5 percent on an annualized basis over the last three months and under mm -hmm. two in the last six months. And that's exactly that. what he looks at. An employment cost index is three and a half percent adjusted for inflation. That's right in his bailiwick of what he yep. wants to see. So I think he's going to be more dovish. Uh, I, I think he's going to be um, I think he's also, though, going to paint the other side of, hey, growth is actually above trend still in the face right. of all these rate increases. We're still putting up a 3% growth number in GDP. So he's going to want to see, and they, and I think the group is going to want to see, does that reignite inflation to, the, to, to a degree? So I, I agree with you on high, a little bit higher for longer, but I do still think they're going to yeah, cut yeah, yeah. because they can cut. I believe that. I believe that. But what, what do you think about? And I, I agree. Like when I think about the jolts numbers, as an example, yesterday, yeah. right? The, there was a there was an explosion to the upside. Again, I know on the six month trend line, they're still lower, but he still needs to address that from from a labor market perspective. And I mean, there was good data today on the ECI, right? That that's come down a tick. I think but they're, I I think think they're proving, though, I think they're proving that. I mean, it's been sort of borne out. What we thought is not now. Yeah. They don't need to destroy the labor market to get inflation down. The, the, the inflation is coming down. The labor market has not been destroyed. The economy has not been destroyed. Their calculus has changed, which is why they've pivoted. They, have, a, they, have, an, they have another tool to, to use to their advantage. And I agree with Steph. I think they're going to lean dovish. 
And I think they might actually speak a little bit about the balance sheet yeah. and the pace mm -hmm. of the runoff. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's a weapon that they could utilize that's dovish in its nature if they begin to signal that pace will moderate at some point. I should remind everybody, too, as usual, we're going to be visiting with Jeffrey Gundlach right when the Fed chair finishes the news conference. So just a reminder on that, we're going to start our year the way we ended it. And that's with Jeffrey Gundlach joining us after every Fed decision and the news conference. And we can't wait for that, for the playbook on what to do in this market as a result of what the Fed chair himself says and what the committee does. Let's get through our committee and a couple of moves that we want to get to. You sold Chevron. I did. Why did I you did. do that? Um, listen, it's been an underperformer. Last year was down 17%. You know, my, my concern with Chevron and the energy complex, honestly, is uh, earnings revisions. I mean, earnings revisions are coming down, I mean, year over year, 14%. Uh, for Chevron. I do like the move that they made with Hess. I think longer term, um, that acquisition be accretive uh, for the stock. Generally speaking, you know, I'm, I'm not so terribly tied to oil being a proxy for the, for the names, but they just haven't done well, you know, over the last year and some change. So we decided to unload it and we're going to look for other opportunities elsewhere. You bought more SLB. Yes, Stephanie I did. Link. I did. Okay. And I, by the way, agree with you 100%. I sold Chevron in December. I was frustrated I as well. So oh, you were, Yeah, I remember you were frustrated. Very frustrated. But I did buy Exxon Mobil, and I've been adding mm. to that position because I think they're doing a much better job. But I think Schlumberger down 8% yesterday was ridiculous. And, and I know why it was. It was Saudi Aramco and them not increasing their CapEx. Um, it, <laughs> by a million barrels per day. Um, so to me, I kind of step back and, and, and look at what the impact is to the EBITDA number for Schlumberger. It's about 2% in 2025, 2026, maybe even later than that. And so an 8% hit, the stock is down 13% in the past year, hasn't done anything. You have a, the company just reiterated their guidance last night after the close of teen, um, low teens uh, total revenue number, uh, mid-teens uh, EBITDA numbers. Margins are going higher because of the digital experience. Um, and that will help them as well. So I just thought it was way overdone. You're getting the number one company in the industry for 13 times forward estimates that just raised the dividend and is minting money in terms of free cash flow. Okay. We are going to slip in a quick break. And when we come back, we have many, many more committee moves to tell you about. Rob Seachin has made a bunch and he is going to join us next and give you the details. We'll be back after this. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, Wealth Strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. All right, we're back. I, said, I told you we had more committee moves to talk about. It's uh, by virtue of Rob Seachin making several in his own portfolio. He joins us now, as you can see. Rob, thank you. I'm going to walk you through each of these, so let's take them individually. You bought Verisk Analytics, VRSK. I want you to tell our viewers why you did that. 
Yeah, Scott, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Verisk is in the information uh, services subsector of industrials. It's a software and data analytics technology company that focuses on the insurance industry. We bought it because it's a, it's a capital light defensive grower. They have 80% recurring revenues, 90% client retention. They're an industry leader in profitability and operating results. And Technically, even though they're a cyclical and they benefit from a stable economy, they don't need a roaring economy to do well. It does trade at a premium valuation at a 36 forward, but that's in line with its five-year average. And as insurers focus on uh, operational efficiency, um, this company is going to benefit. Hey, why'd you buy eBay? I mean, that stock's been a loser. You know, over six months, year to date, it just hasn't really done anything. Over a year, it's down. It's 20% below its 52-week high. Why'd you buy it? So this is a value company with really low expectations that has a recent focus on cost discipline. And, you know, all you need is that company to, uh, to come in ahead of its incredibly low expectations. And let's realize that this is still an incredibly profitable business. Uh, typical margins in the retail industry are high single digits. This is a company that has uh, 72% gross margins. It pays a 2.5% dividend. And, you know, it's attractively valued at nine times. During the, during the COVID uh, bubble, it went all the way up to 18 times. And so we don't think uh, we don't think eBay is going away. And we think this is a good company to own at a time like this. Uh, our clients are going to benefit, we think, from stock selection prospectively. What's this ping on insurance group, this Chinese insurance insurer uh, that you buy? So um, we're well aware that the falling knife risk in China is real. Um, the biggest challenge in deep value investing is timing and position sizing. One of the reasons, and that's really one of the reasons that we're starting with a, a small position. China is extremely cheap. We've been underweight China, maintain our underweight to China from a macro standpoint, but still like some of the companies. We talked about Baba on the show last week. Um, this is a company that's different. Baba's earnings have been growing. Uh, Ping An's in a two-year downtrend, um, and it's expected to turn around. And, you know, we think you can buy uh, companies like this at low valuations where their earnings are turning. Remember, this is one of the largest insurers of the world in the world. Um, they offer a wide range of, of products. They have 600 million people that are their customers, and they have a great brand and reputation in China. It only trades at four, four times a forward PE, and with revenues uh, starting to accelerate, an 8% dividend yield, buying back more than 10% of their shares annually, this seems to be pretty interesting way to start to reduce our underweight to China. You bought more Adobe. Tell me about that one quickly. Yeah, increasing one of our top five positions. Uh, we increased it in July on the show. It's up 20% since with the market up 11. Um, they are on the forefront of monetizing AI. The world might be unsure of how companies are going to make money off of AI, but Adobe is doing it. Uh, Firefly's a, a leader so far, much in the way that Microsoft Copilot has begun to do this. While 32 times is not cheap, it's a big discount 
to its peers and you know we continue to uh, continue to like it and are increasing our exposure. Okay, so you trimmed KLA, you trimmed H&R Block, you trimmed Allison Transmission Holdings, you also trimmed McDonald's. I only want you to talk about McDonald's. Why'd you, why'd you trim that? So McDonald's is a, is a case where revenue growth has been driven by price increases instead of volume growth. It makes us think that revenue growth could flatten Consumer prices across the economy have reset 20 to 30 percent higher over the last three years. And now the growth needs to come from volume. And the key question is, will companies need to cut to continue to grow volume? And so we we trimmed all these positions. Mind you that the other three were enormous, enormous winners for us. And that's more right sizing those positions. I appreciate it, Rob. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you soon. That's Rob Seachin. Uh, joining us with all those moves. Now, I want to kick them around on the desk, the ones that are relevant to ownership here. You you own McDonald's. I do. And um, the stock's been disappointing, Yeah. right? What, what do you make of this? Well, yeah, I mean, the stock's only up 13% in the past year, um, but I actually think that this is a great defensive staple-like company, which I don't have a lot of them in my portfolio. It's not cheap at 25 times, but I think they, are, they have a great strategy in terms of digital efforts, which is going to help margins, drive-through and delivery, which will help volume. And they just raised unit growth 4 to 5% at their analyst day last year, it late deserve, last year. Does it deserve to trade at a premium and such a premium? I do, because I think that it's, it's kind of a compounder in a way. Like, it's a mid-single, low to mid-single digit, same store sales kind of a company. Uh, but this digital effort really will help margins. Um, and product innovation is obviously going to help demand, I think, anyway. And, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a slower growth rate environment, if we do, in fact, get that, Scott, that this plays right into the hands of, of that theme. Joe, you own Adobe and KLA. So Adobe, I want to hear a little bit more about what they're going to do with the capital that the $20 billion uh, that they were going to purchase Figma with. They've walked away from that. Are they going to increase buybacks? Are they going to look for other partnerships? You're not going to get that information until March when they report again. So you might be in a period here where it's susceptible to what the overall tape does. Um, The KLA Corp reported on January 25th, spectacular earnings. Here's an example, spectacular earnings. Price action subsequent to that has been disappointing at best. All right, let's get the new. News headlines right now with Silvana Hanau. Hey, Silvana. Hey, Scott. Good afternoon to you. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will travel to the Middle East in the coming days, senior officials said to the NBC News. Now, this will be his fifth trip to the region since the October 7th attacks, and it comes as Blinken said on Monday that the tensions in the region were as volatile as they were to at least 1973. Former President Donald Trump will meet with Teamsters Union leaders in D.C. today to gain support from one of President Biden's most loyal groups, organized labor. The meeting comes dazed after the United Auto Worker Union decided to not endorse the former president. The Teamsters Union is still considering who to endorse, telling Fox News a week earlier that they also invited President Biden to their headquarters. Reports of lasers illegally pointed at airplanes were at an all-time high last year. In data published today by the FAA, over 13,000 laser strikes were reported compared to just under 9,500 in 2022. 
Laser pointers can distract pilots, making it especially dangerous during takeoff and landings. A 2012 law makes flashing a laser at a plane a federal crime with prison time, Scott. I thought people stopped doing that. All right, Silvana, apparently not. Thank yep. you, Silvana. And now up next, our call of the day. Striker getting a big upgrade following strong earnings. Do have ownership on the desk, which means we debate it next. Plus, we have trades on Rockwell, Boeing, MasterCard, and more when we come back. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, welcome back. Our call of the day today is Stryker. That's why. Look at the stock. It's up better than 7%. It was upgraded today at Canaccord. That's after strong earnings. They go to buy. Jason, they take the price target to 360 from 315. Tough comps, but they had a good quarter anyway. Intraday high for this company today. You own it. Yeah. No, listen, uh, Med Surge was really strong uh, this past quarter. You know, for me, as it relates to Stryker and looking at the guy going forward, you know, they have a really deep backlog on their orthopedics business. So I like the quarter. Obviously, we heard from the, we heard from the CEO previously to the show today. Um, I, just, I just think for, for a surgical instrument business, Stryker is a leader in the space, and I continue to like the stock. Okay, Steph, let's talk about Boeing. Losses narrowed. I mean, they're still wider than expected. I don't know how you assess this stock. I mean, stock's up a lot today. Yeah. How do we assess it from here, given the issues around the max? I think you have to take a longer term kind of thought process on this, and that's what I'm trying to do with the duopoly and the backlog. And we've talked about between Airbus and, and Boeing having uh, almost 13,000 planes in their backlog, and they're going to get through this issue, the safety issues. Um, and I'm encouraged by actually all the things that they're doing. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but I think also if they they deli- they produce 38 737 maxes in the quarter. And they generated a lot more free cash flow, 2.9 billion in free cash flow, much more than people thought. If they can just continue to do 38 and not increase it to 50, because that's what everyone got jazzed up about. But if they keep it at 38, they can still generate a lot of free cash flow. And that's what the stock trades on ultimately over time. So I'm, I'm trying to stay patient with it. Still down a lot. Encouraged with the action today, though. Okay. Rockwell Automation, lower than expected profits. They blame high inventory. Joe, you own this. Sitting here today. and that, it, down 15%. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. I wanted to make sure we, we know that. So I'm sitting here today, and, and, and it's really a reminder that within the economy, there, there are two issues. Scott, you spoke at length about New York Community Bank, office real estate, clearly still a problem. And then manufacturing is a problem. We are still in a manufacturing recession. 
And I think it's reflected in the performance of Rockwell today. Industrial automation just can't get out of its own way. Free cash flow generation goes to negative $35 million one year ago was plus $42 million. That is abysmal. The manufacturing slowdown is real. It's well entrenched and it's affecting companies like well, Rockwell. If, you're, if, if anything tied to onshoring and reshoring, that actually is seeing a boom. And that's because of all the infrastructure spend that we're seeing. And we have another $2 trillion that hasn't even gotten into the economy. So that's a very strong part of manufacturing or of the industrial complex. But I do agree with you. There are going to be pockets within industrials that you want to be careful on. And then the other one is aviation, what we just talked about. Right. So those are the two bright spots yeah. within industrials. I think everything else you got to be careful. What about Skyworks, Joe? You want to take that? They beat. Um, you, you own that name. We can take a look at the chart here, too. Uh, it's a modest winner today. Yeah, mo modest. Look, this is semi-equipment uh, name. This this is Lamb Research. This is not. Lamb Research is one of my favorite semi-equipment names. Steph, I know it's yours as well. Um, there, there's challenge challenges for this Apple supplier. You really need to see the improvement in Android. There's some suggestions that that's coming in the coming quarters, but I'm not as excited uh, about the ownership of this as I am, let's say, of Lamb Research. Okay, I'll give you MasterCard, too which hit a record intraday high today. You own this in both the personal portfolio and the yeah. Joe T. Stock's up one and a third pretty, percent. Pretty excited about MasterCard. They're, they're basically reiterating the positive earnings that you saw from Visa last week. I will say this now. Uh, this, this is now flying on the fumes of momentum more than anything else. Uh, we know how fundamentally strong and what a quality company this is, but where it is now, this is all about momentum. All right, so we have a lot of earnings coming up, uh, either in overtime tonight or tomorrow before the bell. Qualcomm, Align, Honeywell, Bristol, Regeneron, AbbVie, and more. We're gonna trade as many of them as we can. We'll do it next. Mike Santoli is next, by the way, with his midday word. We're back right after this. Welcome back, our senior markets commentator, Mike Santoli, here with his midday word. All right, so we have the aftermath of a couple of mega caps, and we have the look ahead to the Fed. Yeah, and the market's, you know, making its best effort to uh, be differentiating about what uh, should be punished, what shouldn't. Uh, we have about 40% of stocks up today. If you look at the moves in a lot of the, even the big tech stocks that sold off as a group at the open, they've had these intraday rallies like a meta. Uh, so you, people are trying to sort of put on a brave face, not get too comprehensively negative, either whether it's before the Fed or just in general before you have more of a critical mass of earnings coming through. So I think it all is fine. I, to me, the Fed is about you, you wait so that the market afterward can do what it's fixing to do anyway. And I think that that's mostly it could be about one last burst higher and then we figure out if February is going to be a payback month uh, or if it's, you know, we just got to slog through these earnings a little bit more because the bond market today is really leaning dovish. I don't know if that means that um, they need to hear explicit promises about a, a rate cut sooner. It's just, hey, we're going to take the seven weeks you're giving us of data before the next meeting to decide if anything happens. Do you you think that we really get anything of substance today from, from Powell? I mean, he's trying going to try and thread the needle yeah. pretty well, as he always does. But, you know, you got this the market now moving in sort of one direction, both in the bond market, the the expectations of cut market and the stock market, too. But by definition, almost whatever he says is of substance, even if if what he's really trying to do is not try and tip too far in either direction. Um, I don't think he wants to promise a March cut. He also doesn't want to completely foreclose on it because the process they've laid out, the framework they have, the models they run, 
all says next move down. Uh, I mean, unless inflation really seems like it's getting stubborn again. And so I don't think he wants to contradict that, but he's like, we'll wait and see. Yes. You know? And Steph, you're looking for dovish today. You said at the top. I think that they can be. I think that they should be. It's it's the reality. It's We have decent yeah. growth. We have lower inflation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to ease in March. I sure. actually don't even think that they will. But that's, we just need to hear them, like, get get it. <laughs> do, do they understand what's happening out there in the real And economy? they, as a committee, don't know right now what they'll do in March. Right. So it's not that's like true. there's this answer. It's in the box. We have to figure out what it is. It's just kind of a process. I wonder, too, if we start, you know, need to start thinking about dissents in the meetings ahead that Possibly. what has been a unanimous thing for the duration here suddenly, you know, has a bit of a turn and what the debate is inside yeah. the room. I, I guess we'll find out in, in some, maybe not today. Right. You don't get the you don't get the array of, of opinions and the outlook in terms of the official yeah. set. But next time. All right. We'll see you on Closing Bell. That's Mike Santoli. I mentioned we do have some key earnings coming up beyond these mega caps that we've talked about. We're going to go through a bunch of them as well. As I said, Qualcomm, Align, Honeywell, more. Back after this. All right, we're back. We just got some news that's moving a few popular stocks here. It's related to Adidas, which is given their preliminary results where they suggest that, quote, profitability will be significantly affected by unfavorable Forex. So um, there's their reaction to Adidas. More interestingly, I think, is Nike and Lulu. If you want to take a look at both of these stocks, uh, because they seem to be getting hit on this news. There's Nike down 2%. I think Lulu's down a little bit more than that. We flipped there. There's Lulu down near four and a half. Joe, you, you still own Lulu? I do own Lulu. It's pulling back into the moving averages here, uh, which doesn't set up too well. It looks to me like next target is the 100 day at 435. It could even fall as far as 405, which is the 200 day. Near term momentum is pointing down. Okay. What about Nike? Well, Nike, since they've reported and lowered guidance every single day, has gone down. So, um, I mean, it's kind of getting tempting at, at uh, 100, but I think that they have to get through um, a lot of their exp- higher expenses. They're still getting through their inventory, but it's still elevated, and I think it's all about product. And I also think there's competition. There's real competition out there, especially on the sneaker front. Okay. Um, as promised, we will trade those uh, stocks that have earnings uh, either in overtime tonight or, or tomorrow before the bell. But we wanted to get you that news as fast as we could. We're back after this. All right, let's talk some more earnings. Qualcomm, overtime tonight. Jason Snipe, you own it. What are your expectations? Yeah, no, I think it's. I think they guided to a, to a strong quarter. I mean, it was 9.1 versus 9.9 billion in revenue. I think handsets and PCs are bottoming, so I expect a strong quarter. All right, the CEO, by the way, a, an exclusive interview tonight on Last Call, so don't miss Cristiano Amon. We're looking forward to that. Uh, there he is. Align Technology. Uh, after the bell, OT. Joey, you own it. Looking for revenue up about three and a half percent. This dental equipment maker might benefit from Smile Direct Club filing for bankruptcy. That'll increase the Invisalign exposure. All right, Jay Snipe, Honeywell's tomorrow before the bell. What, what do you think of this going in? Yeah, um, it's been really? somewhat of a yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm at. Um, you know, <laughs> single 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 digits earning growth. It's been an underperformer, right? You know, in the aerospace and defense. I mean, they got a diverse product mix, but let's let's see what earnings look like. Hopefully, we can get to a higher single digit number. Steph, uh, yeah. Bristol Myers is. Friday, 
before the bell. Nonetheless, you own it. And since you're here, I want you to talk about it. I don't own it for the quarter, though, Scott. I really do own it for them seeing synergies from the 10 acquisitions that they made in the last 12 months, $18 billion worth to replenish their pipeline as some of their products go ex- uh, off patent. Uh, stock's super cheap, uh, seven times forward estimates, a 4.8% yield. So if it is weak, I'm going to continue to buy it. I like this for the long term. Okay. Regeneron is also Friday before the bell. Joe T. Did a small acquisition to move further into cell therapy. We'll get some guidance on what that would mean in terms of uh, the top and bottom line in future quarters. Uh, but this is a biotech that I believe is a core holding, large cap biotech, a biotech rather, it's one of the favorite names. AbV, Jason Snipe, you own yeah. it as well. Yeah. So I think for me, as it relates to AbV, I think the, the news with Humera with the biosimilars last year was a little bit of a pullback on the stock. But we're invoked, SkyRizzy continue to grow. I think the pipeline is relatively strong and the price action has been solid over the last three months, 16% and, and 6% year to date. Okay, we are going to bounce for a couple. We will come back and we will do final trades. Dow still hanging on to positive territory, albeit barely. We'll see you in two minutes. Winners and losers, we'd like to highlight a couple on each side of the ledger for you. We're going to do that now. Paramount, you might have seen, it's up big on the news that the billionaire entrepreneur Byron Allen has submitted a $14.3 billion takeover offer. Too bad Farmer Jim is off on the slopes. Jimmy Shell yonder, yonder, or I would uh, talk to him about it, but okay. ADP, uh, that's up on an earnings beat. Teradyne, big loser today. They did beat. They missed, though, on their revenue estimates and Vertex. Joe, you, you own this. You want to talk about it? It's got downgraded today at Maxim Group. Take the other side of the downgrade. In fact, Goldman Sachs did that yesterday, raised it to a 559 price target. Okay. Another reminder that right after the Fed chair finishes his news conference, we will have a conversation with Jeffrey Gunlock today on Closing Bell, as we always do. And we're looking very much forward to that exclusive interview. I hope you will join us then. Let's do final trades. Mr. Snipe, what's on your mind? What's on your radar? Yeah, I, li- I like Blackstone here. $200 billion in dry powder. I think that gets put to work this year. You have some dry powder probably. Are you looking at it? I am. I am. I think it's an opportunity. So we'll see. Okay. Private equity stock's been interesting. Um, yeah. Joe T. Nervous about mentioning this name. I got to ask Uh-oh. Steph, do you like Costco? I mean, I love it, but I just hate the valuation. <laughs> All right. Okay. But Costco. I love it. I do. Okay. Thank you. Compounder. Good. You, you own it? You, <laughs> of course. You do own for it. For a long time. Yeah. Okay. Steph. Good for you. Well, Jason Snipe owns it, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. A lot of people Since own it. Good one. All right. Zimmer, Zimmer Biomed. Uh, on the striker heels of their good quarter, I think you're going to see 5% revenue growth, margin expansion. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing about their product pipeline. All right. And it's going to be an interesting couple of hours. We got the decision, and we got the newser, and we got closing bell. I'll see you then. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its 
completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.